The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 2006 versus 2011. Films to enter. Two, fi- two films enter. Get it? Because I had to go back in time to try it until I got it right. Right, right, right. One film leaves or maybe stays. <laughs> it's time travel. <laughs> two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man Action film face off, everybody. We're happy that you're here. This is a show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of the random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Those two films do battle using a variety of criteria that's probably out of order, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. I'm Jared Albrecht, the Death Pro. My co host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who have both time traveled, and we take our action seriously but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. Uh, what kind of episode we got here? I got a half blind fire going. I'd never seen source code. What you got, Jason? It was double blind fire for me. I hadn't seen either one of these films. You sure you'd never seen Deja Vu before? I thought maybe <laughs> I had. <laughs> but it could have been, you know, me in another life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. All right, so double blind fire for Jason, half for me. Kathy is singing off mute right now. <laughs> Kathy, chime in. Had you seen both of these? Half of the what, what did you see? What did you not see? I have actually seen both of these, probably when they came out on DVD, Redbox, Netflix. Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories. I know what you're asking. What are those categories? Jason will let me tell you what they are. They are the story. They're the overall spectacle. They're the best action scene. They're the hero and the villain. And if you listen carefully, it's not going to be in that order. And you're going to say, Jason, why don't you do it in the order that it's on your script? And I say, because Weasel Skull does what he wants. Just go along for the ride. Close your eyes. Enjoy it. You'll have fun. And then. So much truth in that. Then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Dems the rules. No going back in time to change them. Thank you, Jason. Well, folks, it's been three months, so you know who the sniper is. If you (laughs) you listen to the show, it's our quarterly regular. We have with us captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Welcome back to the studios for action film face-off, Kathy. MVP. Glad to be back. Yes, Kathy, she takes it seriously. You guys can't see it, because but we record with video, and she has full camo gear on. She's painted up her face. She takes her action film face-off appearances seriously. She's got fixed bayonet. She's got grenades hanging from her tack gear. I like that. You might be asking yourself, what does a sniper do? Well, the sniper has just one point to give in each category. And so that means, you know, we got five categories. So the sniper can sway the scoring for up to five points. And on a couple of occasions, the sniper's made all the difference. So I wonder what's going to happen tonight. Kathy, since you've been on before, you get more specific questions. Rapid fire. We are timing you. Top three movies starring Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones. Be more specific. Uh, Last Crusade. Correct. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. (laughs) Also correct. And I guess Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite of the Star Wars. Nothing wrong with that. That was really good. Yeah. You answered that so rapidly at post-editing. That's, that was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before our two films enter the video dome arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks that are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. 
And Helica Wolf. Oh. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robeson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, MVP and Sniper. That's me. Matt and Lissy Poiso. Mark Ross. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. Of course, if we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent edition, we will add you soon. But no worries, you can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it all straightened out. And if you're asking yourself, how do I get in on this Crusaders Club thing? It's simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as just $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. We'll appreciate the heck out of it. Come and check us out. All right, let's break out of this beleaguered castle and get to the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. I was assigned the year of 2006, and I have selected Deja Vu. I was assigned the year of 2006, and I have selected Deja Vu. <laughs> Jason, what year did the randomizer select for you? There's a ton of these jokes coming, people. I need a debrief. I need a debrief. What am I doing here? <laughs> Somebody told me I got 2011, and so I put into my Video Dome Arena source code. I want to speak to my commander. <laughs> we have a fine matchup for this one, folks. It's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's do a quick around the room on where we saw it. I actually had both of these on my Plex, so this was easy-peasy for me. Just watched them right off of Plex. Kathy? Um, I borrowed your Plex, FYI, in case you didn't know. <laughs> I thought I saw someone watching Deja Vu on there today. Yes, I rewatched them both today. Okay, Jason? Yeah, I saw Deja Vu on Amazon Prime, rented that for, I think, $4.99 for the HD. And then I saw source code. I have the Blu-ray for that. Back when Blockbuster went out of sale, I bought a bunch of Blu-ray <laughs> movies. That was one of them. So finally watched it. Oh, man. If only we could go back in time and buy up some more. <laughs> okay, folks, this is your spoiler warning. Let me go back in time. Try it again. Okay, folks, this is your spoiler warning. We are going to spoil the heck out of these movies. So if you don't want them spoiled, you might want to pause here and go watch either Deja Vu or Source Code, or maybe you need to see them both. But we'll be here when you get back on the other side of this little musical number. All right, we're back. Let's get into this. Let me jump in with some quick info on 2006's Deja Vu. One hour ago, one hour ago, a disaster took place. Now we're going to need all our manpower until we can determine that it is a crime investigation. It is a crime investigation. Two hours ago, two hours ago, a victim was murdered. What do you got for me? A couple of kids found a woman face down in the waters off Algiers Point. Three days ago, three days ago, a killer set his plan in motion. You think you know what's coming? You don't have a clue. But what if you could go back to stop the crime before it ever happened? happened? Doug, I've been put in charge of a newly formed investigative unit. I want you on the team. Why me? We've got some unique time constraints. It's a brand new program. It's called Snow White. We can look anywhere. Four days in the past. This is the actual past. Yes. Wow. What if you could save a life? Did you know her? No, I didn't know her. That had already been taken. Hello? Why this woman? The bomber came in direct contact with the victim. You solved her case, you solved this case. 
Now, one man has three hours to try to change the past. He's gonna kill her. He killed her four days ago. Yes, one theory. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of Pirates of the Caribbean, and Tony Scott, director of Enemy of the State. Anyone who tries to stop it from happening will cause it to happen. Denzel Washington. For once in my life, I'd like to catch somebody before they do something horrible. Doug, you all right? I got him, I got him. You don't have to do this. What if I already have? Deja Vu starred the Denzel Washington and Val Kilmer. It was directed by Tony Scott. The synopsis goes a little something like this. I'm going to watch as Jason's face gets disappointed. <laughs> this is what I wrote for the synopsis. Ugh, how do I write this out? Y'all probably should watch Deja Vu. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Jason like goes to all the trouble to like think it out. Right. So I'm like, it's so complicated. Okay. Basically Denzel Washington plays an ATF agent who's a really good investigator. And there's a big terrorist attack on a ferry. It kills lots of people. And he discovers it's tied to another murder of this girl. And they, they find through Val Kilmer, as you do, they find technology that allows you to see into the past and maybe even affect the past to fix the present. It's trust me. It's good. All right, let's get to the interesting trivia. And with that, I'm handing it over to Kathy. What three nuggets did you dig up for this movie? This movie was filmed in new Orleans. Just several weeks before production was about to begin is when Katrina hit the new Orleans area. They considered moving production and filming to another location. They even considered canceling the movie completely. But then three months later, they decided to use the actual city of New Orleans post-Katrina. So three months after Katrina hit, they still filmed in New Orleans. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. One of the first assistant cameramen learned that his father had passed away during the filming of this movie because he once worked with a lot of these crews as a special effects technician. He was allowed to have his father's ashes incorporated into the ferry explosion and they actually called it the Gerald Endler Memorial Blast, which I thought that was pretty interesting. That's neat. And there were five Hummers used in the chase scene in the movie. And one of those wrecked Hummers ended up being used in the opening scenes of Iron Man. I thought huh. that was pretty interesting as well. Very cool. And now I will give you the rundown on 2011's source code. Hey, Shaka. Hey. I took your advice. It was very good advice. Sean? Sean? Look, I can see that you think you know me, but I don't know who you are. My name is Captain Coulter Stevens. You're kind of freaking me out. I don't know who Sean is, and I don't know who you are. Welcome back, Captain Stevens. Where am I? You are inside the source code. What is the source code? It's a computer program, Captain. Source code enables you to cross over into another man's identity in the last eight minutes of his life. At 7.48 this morning, a bomb exploded on a train outside of Chicago, killing everyone on board. Think, Captain, remember back. Who bombed the train? I don't know who bombed the train! Then try again. Wait, no. So, what do you think? It's the same train, but it's different. We've been informed there'll be another attack in six hours. If you find the bomber, the next attack can be prevented. We cannot fail. What would you do if you knew you had less than eight minutes to live? I'd make those seconds count. I want to go back in. I'm going to save her. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Christina is dead. She doesn't have to be. You cannot alter this reality while inside the source code. I'm asking you to have the decency to let me try. What's going on? He's in trouble. Tell me everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Cast and crew included Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Monaghan, Vera Farmiga, and Jeffrey Wright. 
It was directed by Duncan Jones. The synopsis goes a little something like this. Nobody likes to show off. (laughs) This is what happens when you're prepared, Jared. You just roll. (laughs) I'll I'll put a pay attention really closely. Captain Coulter Stevens is a key part of a top secret military program. Using state of the art technology, he is able to go back in time and relive eight minutes of a deadly terrorist bombing on a train. Using only those eight minutes, he must piece together clues to discover the bomb and the perpetrator. Yet a deeper mystery looms as Coulter tries to remember how he became a part of the program and where he got his strange abilities. And for my trivia, I'm going to hand it over to Kathy. There's really only one trivia nugget that you need, and uh, I know you got it. One interesting fact I noticed was that the screenplay of this movie was featured in the 2007 Blacklist, which is a list of the most liked unmade scripts of the year. All right, right. Jake Gyllenhaal was the first person on board for the movie. And because he loved Duncan Jones' movie Moon, which I have not seen with Sam Rockwell. It's incredible. (laughs) He is the one that suggested Duncan Jones to direct this movie. That was probably before Warcraft because that movie's awful, people. <laughs> uh, and it can't all be winners, but man, Moon was banging. I'm not gonna lie, that was a that was an excellent movie. Side note: Duncan Jones is the son of David Bowie. True. But my third nugget is one that might make Mr. Jared Albrecht quite happy. Mm-hmm. I like nuggets. The voice of Coulter's father in the phone call that he makes from the train is none other. Then Mr. Scott Bakula. The phone conversation in the film started with Oh Boy, which is his trademark line from the show Quantum Leap, which has a very similar characteristics to the plot of this movie. That is awesome. Because <laughs> when I was watching this, I was like, this has a Quantum Leap vibe to it. And I did not pick up on the fact that that was Scott Bakula on the phone. I think that's really cool. I didn't notice it until my after I read the trivia for it, and then when I listened again, it's it is hard to tell he that it's his voice, but if you know it's him, you can like okay, yeah, I get it now. I love Quantum Leap. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants, ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Here we go, folks. If you want to play the game within the game, it's called Match Game. We got two movies. We got five categories. And Jason hasn't seen my scores. I haven't seen his scores. We can match up to 10 times. So go ahead and place your bets now. How many times are Jason and I going to match? And speaking of scores, let's set your barometer. Five, that's right in the middle because it's one to 10. Five means it was okay. Something I'd see on a good made-for-TV movie. It got the job done. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Elite Territory, four, three, two, one. You've got things to work on. And with that, let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? We will start in 2006, Deja Vu, Jason. The story is interesting. It's a time travel type of a storyline, which also has the metaphysical, can we change time? What would happen if we change time? The decisions that we make or we don't make, will it make a difference? And then should we? And there's a bit of a religious component to it. Do we have the moral right? Do we have the moral duty to go and make right what's wrong? So from that perspective, I thought it was really interesting. And they do a pretty good job of of putting just enough spectacle in there to keep it hopping and popping. But I think to me, the most interesting part of the story were the conversations that Val Kilmer is having with Denzel. When Denzel first realizes the technology that they have is not, in fact, some sort of secret computer program that networks all these satellites and cameras together to give this realistic image, the big reveal is, no, they've messed around and figured some way to fold space and time. And they're looking, literally looking, four days into the past. And as a police officer... And I would say almost a burned out police officer. He's still very clever. He's still very sharp. But the man's seen some things. Denzel 
realizes he has an opportunity to go back and actually prevent a tragedy from happening. And the lengths that he'll go to do so are, I think, what drives the movie. I think there's a lot of complicated questions, brings up a lot of questions in morality, and that's what makes it interesting. I agree. I think this is a pretty cool little story, but let's see what Kathy has to say about it. Very interesting. Even though we've seen a lot of time travel type movies, I think this was done in a different way because it was still very detective oriented. I mean, is it sci-fi? Yes, but it's still very thriller, very cop driven detective Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, it was a little bit different. And I found this story much easier to follow. And I felt like it had a better wrapped up story than the movie we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Okay. I largely agree with both of you, but I really did latch on to what you just said, Kathy. I felt like this was a really good detective story with a little sci-fi twist. It almost felt like it kind of reminded me if maybe you could follow me on this, like silence of the lambs, you know, people think of it as kind of a, a, almost a horror film, but there's a lot of detective that goes on in it. You know, it's like a detective movie that has a dash of horror. This is like a detective movie that has a dash of sci-fi and time travel to me. I, and I really enjoyed it. And to Jason's point, I think it, one of the best things they did was they included the scene where Denzel goes to meet the girl's dad and he gives him those pictures. And he's like, I don't really need these. And he's like, yeah, you do. Cause you need to know that she matters. And that is the moment that he's like a dog with a bone. I'm not going to let this go. I'm just not. And I thought that was brilliant. All right, let's shift gears to 2011. Talk about the story of source code. Jason. Similar in a lot of ways, source code, they throw you into the story right at the beginning. And then you have to figure out what's going on along with Jake Gyllenhaal's Captain Coulter, which is really interesting. There's just a lot of chaos and confusion. It's intentionally done the way it's filmed. And so you're always feeling a little unsettled as you're watching this mystery unfold. And to me, the most interesting thing was the mystery within the mystery. What happened to Captain Coulter? And when that's revealed, what is next. Can you just let the man die or can he live in some alternate reality? And so that to me was the most interesting part of the film. And again, the morality of it, because on the one hand, it's like, yeah, if you have the ability to save, you know, people from a future terrorist attack by capturing the man that did the most recent one, probably should do that. (laughs) That sounds like a good thing. But how they do it, using the body, basically a dead body, they're just keeping the brain alive of this poor man to go back and relive this tragedy over and over again for eight minutes is just really cruel. And you've got to question the ethics of that. So again, ethical questions, good mystery. Not as much action, I think, as deja vu. We'll get into that. But very similar in scope and feel. Uh, between the two movies, I think, Jared, you hit the nail on the head. The, the key theme is mystery between the two, but Denzel's situation is quite different than Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, in Source Code. Well said. Kathy, Source Code. I remember the first time I watched this back, like I said, when it probably came out. I don't remember having a good feeling afterwards. Like It didn't really do much for me. Probably because of the very ambiguous ending. You don't really know what happened. But the second and third viewing, I've enjoyed it much more. I feel like it's complicated and simple all at the same time. I did want to say when Jason mentioned chaos and how disorienting and everything was, one thing that the director did was Jake Gyllenhaal wore earbuds during the filming of this movie. And he would just randomly play like, song clips or sounds or whatever to help Jake look more disoriented in those particular scenes. But when you talk about the morality thing, yeah, it's like once you find out that it is just this soldier who's, for any better word, dead, and especially when Jeffrey Wright's character is like, don't even give him breaks anymore. We just need him in there every eight minutes, put him back in the machine. And it's like, was that part of his agreement when he signed up for the the military? 
<laughs> I mean, you know, is that part of your agreement when you sign up for the army that you just own my body, whether it's yes. alive or dead? Maybe? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this story is, de- they are extremely, extremely similar. But whereas in Deja Vu, and maybe this is more for the hero version. I just feel like Deja Vu had more of an actual story because it was a team, even though it was mostly Denzel, it was a team that was trying to figure out this fairy explosion. Whereas I felt like with Source Code, it was just about his journey, his journey to save the train, to save the city. Uh, It felt more internalized. I don't know if that's the right word. The word I used, Kathy, when I watched it is it felt tighter. It was just a tighter story. Plus or minus, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. At the end of the day, that's how I sort of looked at both these stories. Because I thought, you're going to see two very similar scores that I have for them in a minute. But I thought that they were both pretty good. I felt like Deja Vu was more expansive. And Source Code was a tighter. But like that played, I liked the fact that Source Code was 30 minutes of just biggity-bam, kind of nonstop. It felt like a like a Twilight Zone episode almost. Just go 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 and learn as you go and oh big really reveal good point. and yeah you know and I and I liked that. But I also kind of like the grander scale of deja vu. This this can be a tough one, folks. So well, I guess speaking of scoring them, we should probably do that. Jason, going back to deja vu on a scale of one to ten, how'd you like the story? I liked it to the tune of an eight. I thought it was well above average. You could have just had a heady sci-fi time travel romp, but there was a lot of emotion, a lot of content that was really driven into this, and the story carried me along pretty well. So eight for me. All right, you probably slightly better mood than me, I guess. I gave it a seven, but I still feel the same way you do. <laughs> like I gave it a seven. I thought this is pretty good. You know, is it the best time travel movie I've ever seen? You know, Marty McFly and Doc Brown are still sitting on that throne, but. <laughs> But I really liked it. I really liked the mixture of it. What I liked a lot about it was the cast. And so we'll talk about that in a minute. minute. So I did give it a seven. So over to source code, Jason, what do you got? I gave that one an eight as well. Kind of different reasons. Like you said, I think it was just well paced. It was pop, pop, pop. It kept you engaged from the moment you press play to the very end. And I thought it was just tight, contained, and well-delivered. So eight from me. And again, I gave it a seven. So you're just, you liked it both at eights. I liked it both at sevens. I could probably be talked into an eight, really. I, I liked both of these quite a bit. That's just where I started out, which means, Kathy, we clearly have a tie in the first round. You get to be the first round decision maker. What are you going with? I think I'm going to have to give my sniper bullet to Deja Vu. I just feel like it was, and not necessarily easier in a bad way, but it was an easier story to watch, easier story to follow. So maybe that fast pace of source code kind of, you like the the easier approach of Deja Vu maybe. Yeah, and I did, I mean, I did like the way they filmed, but I guess I needed to do more research to figure out what was really going on in the source code. Like, did I know when I was watching it that every time he went in to that eight-minute simulation that it was creating a new a different reality no i had no idea i had to read that that's what the director said was happening so every time he went in there he was creating a new reality for Mm -hmm. that those characters so i wouldn't have known that just by watching that movie where deja vu it just gives me more information to follow okay and so i'm giving my bullet to deja vu all right that's the end of round one get over here That makes it my turn for round two, where we're going to talk about the hero. We got two pretty good heroes here. Uh, We got uh, Denzel, needs no introduction. And Jake Gyllenhaal, not half bad himself. But let's talk about it, Jared. What did you think of Denzel and Deja Vu? He's like the most likable action hero of all time. Whether he's on the hard edge of Man on Fire, which has been on this program, or whether he's a, a more lighthearted approach. I wouldn't say he was lighthearted in this one. I'd say he was, he still had that charm. Even when he was in challenging and difficult situations, he has a very disarming smile that he uses on people, even when he's not pleased with what, what's going on. 
perfect example is the scene where he first walks up to the scene and they're trying to figure out who's in charge. And he knows what's he knows it's bull crap, but he's just got that smile. Okay, uh, okay, so you're in charge. Where's the coffee pot? Everyone's got a coffee pot. He's, got, okay, <laughs> yeah. he's sending them a clear signal that you need to get your crap together because we got things to do, but he's doing it in the most likable way. That's awesome. And then when he switches on the intense action portion that he does, it's just very cool and, and very believable. So I liked him a lot in the hero category. We often kind of lump in people on the side. I like the people in his team, which included Matt Murdock's partner, Foggy Nelson, apparently on the, on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Val Kilmer. I like him. He's, he's welcome here. I, it was nice to see him again. The guy, Adam Goldberg as the, like the project Goldberg. <laughs> he was good. So we got good Denzel. We have good ensemble. So yeah, he's, he's going to get a good score, but of course a Homer for Denzel. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's where my, my one thing that I, I won't put it in the deduction round. I'll bring it up now because it's not worth a deduction. But like they're like, we were able to send a piece of paper back in time, and then twenty minutes later, he's like, I'm gonna hop in there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This, he cut right from. Uh... <laughs> well, the envelope made it. So this reminds me of the true <laughs> news story of the guy who woke up. This is a true story. This guy woke up one day and he looked at his alarm clock, and as he was staring at it, it stopped. And this dude went out onto the train tracks and stared down a train thinking he could stop it. And he died. <laughs> and I thought, this is Denzel staring at a clock and then getting in front of, <laughs> in front of a train. Yeah. Usually you should probably go clock, toaster, microwave, you know, work your way up to train. Work your way up to a train. Here's yeah. my question. Yeah. How do we know he stopped at the clock stopped and he looked at it? If he I, I don't died. know. That, I, I read about this true story somewhere, but I. How maybe he wrote it down. I don't know. Probably YouTubed it. <laughs> this day and age. My clock just stopped. I'm going to stand out in front of a train. It's like, I'm going to go stop a train with my mind. And now it didn't work out. But that that is the thought I had when I saw Denzel do that. I was like, that's a big leap. But you know what? It's a movie about faith, too. So he's making a leap of faith. I will shut up. All right. Well, Jared had a lot to say. Kathy, anything to add about Denzel and Deja Vu? Who doesn't love Denzel? And I love him. There's another movie he was in that this reminded me of. I can't think of what it was called. I think I know the one you're thinking. He wore of. a Hawaiian shirt the whole time. Out of time. Yes. It <laughs> reminded me of that. But anyway, I thought he did a great job. He's smart. He's charming, as Jared said. His team is great. One of my favorite scenes is when he's realized something's up with this whole system. It's like... When she was talking about how she felt somebody was there and he like did the little laser on the video mm -hmm. and was like, he knew something was up and he got so animated and so excited and he's just very determined. I think he did a great job. Like Jared said, the whole rest of the cast. I enjoyed it. Well, sounds like we have some love for Denzel. No surprise there. What do we think about Jake Gyllenhaal in Source Code? Jared. Now, Jake Gyllenhaal does not carry cachet with me like Denzel does, okay? I haven't seen a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal movies. What I have seen has been decent. I think I first really discovered him in Donnie Darko, which is a movie either you love or you hate. I do not love Donnie Darko. <laughs> so, not, not Bubble Boy? I didn't see Bubble Boy. Again, I, it's like I've just missed a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal movies, so... He has to prove him. Denzel doesn't have to prove himself to me. He just needs to come in and be Denzel. Jake Gyllenhaal has to prove himself to me. So I went into it with a little amount of skepticism. But as it went on, I was like, I like it. I like it. I like it. Yep. Thumbs up. And by the end of the movie, maybe it's because I'm a veteran or whatever. I had a little tear in the eye. And I was like, damn, that was, yeah, he done good. So, yeah. Again, we talk about ensemble characters. And what's neat is his ensemble is really people back at the experiment and it's really kind of two people it's felix Leiter and norman bates's mom all right so, <laughs> like norma <laughs> yeah jeffrey wright and and I, I can't remember the actress's name but she's really Vera good Famiga. yeah she's really good in that norman bates tv show bates motel i think it was called and, and they're so different because jeffrey wright's character just wants results and she cares about him as another as a military member, and she doesn't like what's happening because she knows, given another set of circumstances, she's the one in the box, right? <laughs> because, But you know, and I also wonder, just a quick side to that, is 
does she care because of the text message that he sends her? Because in the text message, I think it says something about just make sure you tell him everything will be okay. Yeah. And I I started thinking later, I'm like, I wonder if she's that caring because she knows that this is going to work and she feels bad. But side note, sorry. It's it's a time travel movie. So you can ask a lot of those questions. I think that had an influence on her. But honestly, Kathy, just from a veteran standpoint, I felt like she just, that's how I would feel. You know, if I, I was in charge of a project and there was some poor... 98% 98% dead soldier in a box where I worked, I'd feel the same way. Like, God, just let him go. The guy has done his time. He served his country. But then I also see the value. Like, if, if we can use to save a lot, Jason covered it. Anyway. It's yeah, it's tough. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to just really the hero, Jake Gyllenhaal. He did prove himself to me, and I did like it, and he'll get a good score. Oh, that scene where he calls the dad, man. I was all like, <laughs> It reminds me of the quantum leap where he got to talk to his dad. Yes. <laughs> where I yes. cried like a little girl. <laughs> I, I mean, Kathy's giving me that I'm stepping on her notes. Uh, though, so I'm going to turn it over to her and see what she has to say. Go ahead, Kathy. I've seen quite a few Jake Gyllenhaal movies. And again, I've said this was not a great movie to me the very first time I saw it. But the more I've watched it and the more I see the subtle parts of Jake Gyllenhaal's acting in this movie... He's so good at the distraction of being disoriented and distracted and having to wake up and reorient where he's at or whatever. Those scenes are great. The scene where he calls his father, the scene in particular when she's reading him the obituary and he's just like shaking his head and he's just like the disbelief. I believed it. Like I thought he was really hearing that, you know, he was really gone. And another scene that I really loved. This may be a little more towards story, but when Vera's character, when she was trying to get him to reset, at first he's still like confused or whatever. And without even a thought, he finally started just automatically responding to her the right phrases and the right answers to her questions. And I just I thought that was a great scene, too. I want to weigh in on that real quick. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not. Oh, time, no. But- go right ahead. This is another thing I thought the movie did real well. And I, I'm interested in Jason's take, really, too. I thought that was very military. Like, I felt like they got the military stuff right. Because even when the rockets go off and the building's shaking and everything's going, that's where you go back is to your training. It just felt right to me. I th- I just feel like they got the military parts right. I'm interested to hear what Jason has to say. But you, you I guess you have to go first. <laughs> well, and I think that's probably why they put that in there. And I, it showed what a strong soldier he was. And I don't doubt that he, if they asked him if he would be willing to do this project, if he would not have agreed to it. That's a darn fine question. Yep. I was asking myself the same thing. I think I would have. If I feel like if, if you can use me to save people, then that's what I sign up for anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Who deep thoughts. I know I'll get a little emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I and I agree with you, Jared. I think that that was a good that scene where she gives him the images and questions, and he just starts responding, even as he's still kind of freaking out. And I think he it, even confused himself. He because he was like when he answered, and he was just kind of looking around, like, "Wait, uh, did I just?" It was so instinctive. He didn't even know what he was responding. Whew, well, we've got two fine heroes in this one. So let's go ahead and score them. Jared, what did you give Denzel in Deja Vu? Denzel in Deja Vu gets a solid eight from me. Uh, I think he was, you know, cut above. You know, we go to Roger Moore and you <laughs> do it kills a seven. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. There's there's a Denzel bump point, I think, in pretty much every movie he's ever done. So, yeah, he's awesome. He's an eight. Don't have to sell me on it. I gave him an eight as well. So it's our first match game. All right, Jake Gyllenhaal and Source Code, what'd you give him? Uh, he impressed me. He really did. Again, I went in with some skepticism. I'd seen him in a couple things. Prince of Persia, which was decent. You know, everything was decent. Not bad, not bad, Prince of Persia. And I thought he did pretty well, and I gave him a seven. And the only reason he didn't get an eight is because he's not Denzel Washington. <laughs> and maybe one day he will be. I mean, he, he's he's kind of a little behind Denzel, you know, in career path. Maybe one day he will be. But right now he's a seven. It, it's like the time that I gave uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, when I was younger in speed, I didn't think he was that good. But now I know him as John Wick. And so it, 
Maybe I'll look back one day and raise that score. That's what I'm trying to say. But right now it's a seven. Well, I looked back and I raised it right now. I gave him an eight. I thought he was just as good as Denzel and in, in Deja Vu. So I, I'm sorry. He was. Denzel was great. I gave him an eight. But I all, thought, right, all right. I thought, yeah, so it's a high compliment to Jake. I got it. It is. It is a high compliment to Jake and not a slight at all to Denzel. That's fair. But really, so has, Kathy, you can uh, you can make a little difference here. Where are you going to give the sniper bullet? Well, for you to understand why I'm giving my sniper bullet to, I'm sorry, Jared, but I'm giving it to Jake Gyllenhaal. Anyone who has seen Bubble Boy compared to Source Code will understand why Jake is getting my sniper bullet. I understand because I think it's kind of like watching season one of Fresh Prince and then seeing the actor that Will Smith became. If I think that's what you're saying. Exactly. All right, my we're very we're bag. very pro Will Smith on this show because we do not want to get slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I keep his wife's name <laughs> out of my GD mouth. Jada, Jada, Jada. Oh no! <laughs> All right, Jared, I'm going to hand it back to you. All right, that must mean it's time for round three. Round three is the villain. If you want to have a really good action movie, it'd be a good idea to have a really good villain. And I'm interested to see where this goes, because the villainy is a little one-sided, if you ask me. But let's find find out. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not. Let's find out. We will start with uh, Jason and Deja Vu. It's Jim Caviezel, my friend. What do you think? I think you're right. It's pretty (laughs) one-sided. Jim Caviezel is a pretty doggone good villain in this one. He is both detestable and relatable in some kind of way. Like, you know, he's kind of like, he could be your neighbor next door. Very polite, right? Evil as a mug, but still really polite. You never know quite what's driving him. He's crazy. He's also resourceful. That makes him scary. It makes him dangerous. The one thing that was a little hard for me was that I really liked him in Frequency, which this movie yes. kind of reminded me of. Yes. So, and he was the good guy there. So it was like, oh, it's the good guy from Frequency playing the bad guy. And person of interest. He's incredible in person of interest. But I thought he did a, a bang up job. He'll get a good score from me. I agree with you. Kathy, uh, espouse your love for Jim Caviezel because we all know he's dreamy. So go ahead and lay it off. <laughs> I think that uh, kind of adds to his character. Like, you know how a lot, it's easy to make a villain who's who's evil there with a scar on his face. But this dude's handsome. <laughs> oh, ex- extremely. And he's a great actor. I mean, Count of Monte Cristo, like I said, he was, I think he was ex-military in Person of Interest. He He's great at action. I think he's very tall and a foreboding. Is that the best word? Like, he he can look mean and evil but yet also look charming and handsome that's the scary part you don't know what you're going to get he can be scary and charming all in the same sentence so it's like um i did a silence of lambs reference earlier it's like anthony hopkins you know as hannibal lecter yeah he's not as cute as jim he's not as as handsome but he's charming he can be very charming absolutely but he's evil Well, let's move over to source code where the villain was, you know, that guy. So, <laughs> Jason, you get to go first. Yeah, there's a bad guy in it. <laughs> it was, I think, a bad guy. I a guess. bad guy. He was bad. He blew up a train. That's bad. <laughs> and uh, he got taken out real easy. That's good. And he can't do bad things anymore. In all seriousness, I kind of had to lump in uh, uh, kind of the bad scientist Jeffrey Wright with the bad guy in order to even kind of justify having a villain category in this. So eh, I should tell you, uh, villainy's not the greatest here, but I'll stop there. Yeah, I think you're right, Jason. Like I said, I felt like this was going to be a little lopsided because uh, it's so generic, so generic uh, of a villain. But, you know, I'm not even necessarily mad at the film about it you know that's not the focus of the story but you know what i'll let kathy talk she looks like she's got something to say about that but yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say I, in my notes i wrote not very fleshed out but then i was like was it fleshed out at all i think the only reason he was in the movie is just to have an antagonist in this film and that's probably part of my problem with this story 
There's too many suspects on the train. We learn nothing about any of these suspects on the train. We get maybe five minutes of the guy who's destroys two trains and is about to blow up the whole city of Chicago. We maybe get five minutes of time with him in this film. I do like Jason saying that incorporating Jeffrey Wright, because he probably is even more of a villain than this. But I just I don't think there's a villain in this movie. Not one that's noteworthy. I have to agree. So let's do some scoring. Let's go back to Deja Vu 2006. Jason had some internet connectivity issues. So if he sounds a little different, he's just dialing in on his phone. But uh, that usually does us pretty well. So Jason, on a scale of one to 10, what did you like old Jim Caviezel at? I thought that he was well above average. Yeah, Kathy nailed it. I think he's both really handsome and charismatic, yet physically formidable and dangerous. So really good blend, makes a good villain. Seven from me. And we have reached our second match game. I also gave him a seven. All right. You have to stretch a little bit more for source code. Where'd you land? All right. You're going to have to walk with me on this one a little bit. So... We don't have a villain in a traditional sense. And we say that every film has to have a good villain. Well, maybe not. Maybe the villain can be somebody that's a nobody that just does something really terrible one time. And that's what we have here. And when you compare that and you add to that the scientific brilliance with the lack of any ethics of Jeffrey Wright's character... I think you have enough of a mix of villainy here that I'll give it a six. I like your walk. I didn't walk as far. (laughs) I gave it a five. Made for TV. Good enough. Jeffrey Wright, not necessarily a villain, but annoying. I guess. (laughs) I don't know. With his weird. Did he have a weird comb over? Was that this one? I think he did. Yes, he did. (laughs) I wrote a comb over. Yeah. In my notes, I wrote. I wrote down. He's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so Jason went with a six. I went with a five. Kathy, I think we all know where the sniper bullet's going, but you can say it for the record. He is charmingly handsome, but he makes a great villain. My bullet is going to Jim Caviezel. Got it. That's the end of round three. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? All right, I'll take it from here in round four, where we talk about the spectacle. And by spectacle, we mean all the things that makes a movie good. We like the action. We like the effects. We like the music. We like the cinematography. All that good stuff. Jared, what did you think of the spectacle of Deja Vu? I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good spectacle movie. I mean, you got big explosions. The time travel stuff looked neat. It was well edited. It was frenetic in pacing, especially when you need it to be with the cars and stuff i liked its color palette of greens and i don't know something about its color palette i liked i know most of our listeners know that i pay attention to score more than most but i thought both these movies were well scored but you could swap the scores and they'd (laughs) they'd still be perfectly fine in each other's movies so uh, yeah just overall look cinematography it was very solid i mean tony scott knows how to shoot a movie and that's all i'll say about that we can talk to ken It's Tony Scott, Jerry Bruckheimer production, so I don't know that they can do a movie wrong. It's not like it's Michael Bay or anything, but. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Hey, I'm just kidding. I like like Michael Bay movies. But no, I think overall spectacle, I probably lean a little towards this. I might be showing my hand, but I feel like there was more, again, just more story to this. I feel like source code maybe just. One train of thought, I guess you would say. I know it's on a train, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was linear in the most non-linear way. So I feel like Deja Vu had a better spectacle overall. All right. We got some love for Deja Vu. What did we think about source code, Jared? Same. Like, uh, spoiler alert, there's identical scores coming. <laughs> I thought... You know, its energy was the same. I feel like its color palette was a little brighter, and I feel like there was oranges and yellows involved, perhaps. Again, good score. Could have swapped it with the other movie. Wouldn't have made any difference. Really did its job well. Both of them sort of depicted jumping around in time in slightly different ways, and they all looked good and believable, as all my time jumping experiences have been. (laughs) So 
Yeah. And again, frenetic as a word you could use for both movies. So like as far as spectacle goes, very on par. Very good. All right, Kathy, anything to add for source code? Yeah, something the way Jared just said that made me think, like you said, they're very similar, but source code, I think, is supposed to be more of a manic transition between the time jumps and disorienting and confusing. And I think they did that very well, as opposed to Deja Vu. It was very smooth transitions in the time jumps and easier to follow, a little more linear, even though, again, we're time traveling. So I think Source Code did a great job, like Jared said, yeah, with the red, red, orange, yellow because of the explosion. I especially like the explosion scene, the slow motion explosions. And you see them, I think they're on the floor of the train in this particular one. They even show her hair moving in slow motion as the yeah. as the air comes from the blast. So I think it, overall it was a very good looking, great cinematography movie. All right. Sounds like we have a tight one here. Let's go ahead and score it and see what happened. All right, Jared, what did you give the spectacle for Deja Vu? I gave it a seven. I really liked it. I I didn't think it blew me away or gave me anything I hadn't really seen before, but I thought it was very solid and very likable at a seven. Well, that's our match game. I gave it a seven as well. All the reasons you and Kathy outlined, I don't really have anything to add. So let's just roll it over to source code and see what you scored source code as promised same same i gave it a seven i was a little lower on source code just for the fact that i liked the feeling that that i got in deja vu where you were chasing four days behind and there was no pause or repeat you had to keep up Mm, and i like that aspect of it you know that's the the only slight difference I never really dug, was that Live, Die, Repeat movie that Tom uh, Cruise did? Edge of Tomorrow. I like that movie. Edge I of, love that movie. I mean, it's good, but it's just like, I don't know. You just keep seeing it over and over again. I just preferred the frantic pace of being four hours behind, no pause, no go back, no rewind. Had to solve the crime. So, So six for me for source code. But we have a sniper bullet that can uh, make up some difference here. Let's see what uh, Kathy does with her sniper round. I like the, as I mentioned, the transition of the time travel. I like the way Deja Vu did it a little bit better. I liked the smooth versus the chaotic. I like the fact that there were more locations in deja vu which to me adds to the spectacle you know you had your fishing camp you had the ferry you had the apartment her dad's house new orleans pre and post katrina so i think my sniper bullet is going to go in the deja vu direction all right let's put it in the books i think we can close out this round and pass it back to jared yes indeed round five the disease on the cure round five is the action scene you know, both of these movies weren't heavy on action. They're more like thrillers, but there's a little bit of action going in there. And I'm certain my brother Jason has come up with clever names for these scenes. So let's start with Deja Vu 2006. How did you break it down, Jason? Deja Vu, we had three. The first one was the Humvee chase, where he's chasing the car from four days ago, <laughs> but having to go through present day traffic. See, this is why I didn't do a summary. <laughs> I called that one the past and the furious. No, don't. Oh, that was my good one. That was my good one. <laughs> we started so fun. strong. Bravo, bravo, bravo. All right. The second one was where they go out onto the bayou. Denzel goes out on the bayou and runs the ambulance in and gets into the shootout with Jim Caviezel. And I got to give credit my brother here who came up with uh, the one don't worry i brought my own ambulance (laughs) that's the best one so far (laughs) i don't know that pass of the furious was pretty good (laughs) it was good it was good and then the final one was the fight on the ferry and the shootout on the ferry and this one in honor of our dear departed tina turner i called that one big wheel keep on turning 
got to keep this ferry from burning, rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. Very nicely done. Well done. (laughs) All right. Let's find out who likes what scene. So we've basically got the driving scene. We've got the shootout at the bayou and the battle on the barge. Kathy, which one's your favorite? Before I knew it was going to be called The Past and the Furious, (laughs) that was my favorite action scene in this movie. I love how confused he is and like (laughs) it it actually had laughs in that scene because as he's trying to drive through the camera, but yet it's so confusing, but I love that scene. So I'm going with The Past and the Furious. Nice choice. I think I will too because I was gripping. It was very, very gripping. It was fun to watch, and in some ways it was hard to watch because he had, like, three different people back at base giving him directions. I would have been, If I was Val Kimmer, <laughs> like, everybody shut up, all right? Only one person is giving this poor guy directions. <laughs> Jason, what was your favorite action scene in it in Deja Vu? I'm going to make it unanimous and pick the Past and the Furious as well. I really love that scene where the cars, like, spin out, and he's staring face-to-face into the past Jim Caviezel, and I'm still wondering, like, could Jim Caviezel see him <laughs> the way he was looking? <laughs> right. I just didn't know. That was creepy. I like that scene a lot. I'm pretty sure Denzel killed at least nine people in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> or at least nine vehicles. <laughs> All right, let's shift gears and go to source code. Jason, how did you break that down? That one really has one action scene that's done several different times, and that's the eight minutes on the train before the train explosion. So I'm just calling that one blow mama from the train so that's all you get (laughs) (laughs) well i guess we all know which one's our favorite so (laughs) i guess it makes it easy all right well let's do some scoring then jason let's go back we both uh liked the past and the furious the time traveling car chasing this is why i didn't write a synopsis uh (laughs) what uh score did you give it jason i gave that one a seven match game i also gave it a seven All right, going to source code. What did you think about the train? Blow mama from the train. It was a cool explosion from a few different angles. I'll give it a six. All right, this is like the one time I might have been in a better mood than you. I also gave it a seven. I thought it was just as entertaining kind of watching it from different angles. And I felt, uh, again, gripped by it. So I gave it a seven. Kathy, it's time for your last sniper bullet. Which movie had better action? Deja vu. (laughs) We just had more to choose from and... I just think better action versus just an explosion. Fair enough. That's the end of round five. I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. All right. Well, now it's time for our special round. Round six. That's the round of the ridiculous. The deduction round where we can take up to one point for anything that we thought was a low point of the movie. Well, before we go to Jared, just out of curiosity... Kathy, would you take any points away from either of these films? I don't think so. I think we've kind of talked about any grievances we had, and I assume y'all probably marked those according in your score. So I don't think necessarily I would take anything away. Fair enough. Jared, what did you think? Taking anything away from Deja Vu? No, I didn't see anything in there that... I mean, I, I we did chuckle a little bit about we went from piece of paper to human being, which is a pretty big jump. But you know what? Uh, again, you mentioned it. There's some, as Denzel tends to do, some faith-based things in the movie, and he was he was taking a leap of faith. So I'm okay with it. No points deducted. Yeah, I agree. I kind of flirted with it as well. It's like that is a big jump to go from a piece <laughs> of to my body going back in time. <laughs> a piece of paper they barely got through. <laughs> I, but you're right. You know, it was a film where two of the themes were commitment and faith. So I'll let it go as well. What about source code? Are you going to take any points off for source code? I will not, but I will make an adjustment. I am giving it, I haven't done this in a while, Jason. I'm giving it a plus one, Scott Bakula. Plus I'm looking at the math and I know it's inconsequential, but I'm giving it a plus one for Scott Bakula. You know what? Plus two, Scott Bakula. Oh no. (laughs) The scoring might go into chaos. (laughs) We'll find out. Now, I guess we technically, we could all take a point away for the whole time travel paradox in general, because, you know, what yeah. what time travel movies don't have plot holes? <laughs> right. My biggest concern, and I did consider taking a point away from source code, 
my biggest concern is like that the quote unquote happy ending, the one that we get at the end. I'm like, well, did that one dude that he basically leapt into, does that guy not exist anymore? Because Jake Gyllenhaal just took over his life. <laughs> uh. <laughs> just question. You know, I thought of that. But yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> I was really wrapped up on Denzel at the end of Deja Vu. Like, how does that work? Why does his partner have to die, but he can come back? I don't understand that. I Yeah, don't think about time travel movies too hard. <laughs> At any rate, no, if we start thinking about it too hard, we'll be like, minus 37. Exactly. With, with time travel, you just have to, you just have to accept it and move on. Right, right. Yep, that is going to be the end of the deduction round, and that's the end of all the official rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. Let's take a quick look at Match Game. If you selected four Match Games, then you are correct. And all four of them we did in Deja Vu. And let's check in with the sniper. It looks like Kathy gave four bullets to Deja Vu and one to Source Code. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face Off with a score of 77 to 71 is Deja Vu. With a score of 77 to 71 is Deja Vu. <laughs> we, we, we thought, you guys thought we weren't going to do those jokes anymore, didn't you? Well, congratulations to Deja Vu. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. The year 2000. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen seventy-six. And what will those films be? Well, we're going to tease them for you on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening we're thinking of you dave or you can tune in next episode and find out until then i'm jason weasel skull albrick and you can find me lurking on social media at jason albrick on instagram and you can find me jared albrick the yard sale artist aka death probe at yard sale artist twitter facebook instagram it's all yard sale artists you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com Dot com. Kathy, where can people find you, aside from the fact that you host LBC Irregulars and you cover the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes here on the network? You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at AUKathy2418, and that's Kathy with a K. Awesome. Be sure to check out all those shows under the Long Box Crusade umbrella, including Kathy's LBC Irregulars, where she covers the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's kind of another deja vu joke. And be sure to check out all the shows under the Logbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Logbox Crusade on all your finer podcatchers. And we are on YouTube. You can check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. And if you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And we have our own Twitter for this show specifically, which is at AFFO Podcast, if you want to use that one. And of course, you're always welcome to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on the results of this bout, maybe some suggestions for future bouts, whatever's on your mind when it comes to action films. And you can leave us that voicemail at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Nice. Nice. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down. And the intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. That's a good one, but that movie makes me mad because it uh, kept, um, what's his name, from getting an Oscar, and so I'm still irritated at that movie. Um, Vin Diesel? No. <laughs> <laughs>
Outtakes. Now I'm going to think of all the Harrison Ford movies that I love that I didn't say, but anyway. Don't interject them during the rest of the recording. I'm just going to ra- randomly scream out Harrison Ford movies. <laughs> Devil's own. <laughs> this is just something for y'all. I thought it was cool that they said Jake Gyllenhaal stayed. Um, he had already filmed all his scenes and he actually stayed um, with the production for several weeks after. So he could provide the voice for the other actors in the movie. I just thought that oh, was kind of so like, cool. He could interact with them still. Mm-hmm. That's pre- I think it, it was, he just wanted the Hilton points. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sneeze at those Hilton points. <laughs> you could do that by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on any of your final, final podcatchers. All those very final ones. <laughs> the last one. The last one. On your, <laughs> on your Let me start this whole thing again. Oh, okay. All right, I gotta edit this. She's gonna blow him away! <laughs>